if you really want to talk with somebody, start asking questions. So don't show up and say to somebody, here's how I'm so great. Here's all the great things that I do. Send them a message and ask them a question like, hey, Nikki, it's important to you this year in regards to growing your Instagram account, for instance. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because we're going to be talking about discovery calls and specifically how to rock them and make sure that we convert them into paying clients. And my guest today is Nikki Rausch, who's the CEO of Sales Maven and the host of the Sales Maven podcast. And she has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. She has sold to organizations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and NASA, so she definitely knows what she's talking about. And she teaches her clients how to authentically move people through the selling process in a way that builds relationships, creates true connection, and results in more closed deals and long-term clients. So let's dive into this because I'm so excited. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to spend this time with you. Well, I know that you already know how to build relationship and create true connection because it's taken us nearly half an hour to press record on this episode because we've been talking about Australian trashy reality TV for half an hour. So we definitely have a lot in common. And I think it's so cool that someone from the US just watches the same shows that I watch. Of course, I watch them, you know, 10 years later, but because I only get the, you know, the, uh, through the streaming services. And yes, I personally think Australian TV is the best TV. And I don't care if it's reality TV or if it's just even some of your, like, I just love Australian TV. I love it. I really love everything about Australians. <laughs> Oh, we love that. We love you too. <laughs> and I love when you guys make fun of Americans on your shows because it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> There's lots of that on TikTok if you find the dark side of TikTok. <laughs> and it's all true. Like all the things they make fun of, I'm like, yep, that's so us. Oh, no, we love you guys. Why don't you share a little bit about how you got to be in sales and how you came to be doing what you do today? Well, I actually got my first professional sales job through a college project. So I think you guys call it uni, but for us, it was a college project. And I started in a technology space and I was selling technology to big, large companies, some of them you've mentioned, and then also into the education market because the education is actually the biggest buyer of technology in the world. So that was a huge part of you know what I did. And while I was you know, what they call as a road wire sales rep in that I had a huge territory and I traveled all the time. During that time, I got really interested in how to build stronger connections and relationships so that my sales would grow. And so I got really curious and started studying neuro-linguistic programming. I don't know if that's a new term, but NLP. Yeah, NLP. So, okay. So for anybody who hasn't listening, it's essentially the study of communication and 
I was able to take what I was learning in my NLP courses and apply it to my sales. And so when I started Sales Maven, my own company, teaching entrepreneurs how to sell eight years ago, it was really bringing a combination of all of my sales experience and kind of handpicking the things that I learned in my NLP training that would apply to sales conversation. And now I teach people how to have more strategic sales conversations and get to that place where you exchange dollars or money for services. Which for every single person that's listening, this relates to you because without having money coming into our business, without having sales, we don't have a business. We essentially have a hobby. This episode is made possible by your podcast concierge. Editing your podcast can be time consuming. Your podcast concierge offers comprehensive and affordable podcast production and social media marketing services to help you grow your podcast and business faster. Go to yourpodcastconcierge.com and book a call via the Let's Talk button on the homepage and receive 50% off your first month when you mention Thought Leaders Business Lab. So let's talk about, we're not going to talk about how to get people onto sales calls, but today we're more talking about the sales calls itself. Although I do know that we need to pre-frame them in a way that helps us during the call. So tell us a little bit about how and why we pre-frame a discovery call before we actually speak to our prospect. Well, you can pre-frame in a couple of ways. You can pre-frame in the communication that you send ahead of time. So if you send a like looking forward to chatting with you, you know, Thursday at 10 a.m. or whatever that is, then in there you could kind of pre-frame. And the idea behind the pre-frame, by the way, is to create safety. One of the things we forget oftentimes when we're the seller is that it can be intimidating to get on a live call with you. You might think it's more intimidating to get on a live call with a prospective client, but for them, they might feel a little bit like, oh, this person knows something I don't know. So I feel very vulnerable here. So we want to create safety for them so that, you know, as comfortable as we can make them in the conversation, the easier it's going to be for them to be, you know, revealing to what's going on about their situation to be open to hearing your message. So an example of a pre-frame, and I tend to do this at the start of a call with a prospective client. So I might say to somebody, you know, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I'm looking forward to our call. We're scheduled to chat for about, you know, maybe 20 minutes. Does that still work in your schedule? So I'm going to always check in because again, about creating safety, I want to show them that I'm going to respect your time. And if you're like, no, I only have 10 minutes that I want to know that. Or if they're like, yes, that still works. And then I might say, now, in order to make this conversation meaningful and productive, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? And the reason I do that is I'm asking permission and I'm also laying the foundation that I'm going to ask some questions. So it gets them ready to answer questions. Because if you just dive into your questions, like, tell me everything you know there is to know about you. Tell me about your business. Tell me then it starts to feel like you're on the witness stand and (laughs) you're like, I feel uncomfortable, right? And the walls go up, right? Yeah. Because people start to go like, I don't know if I'm safe. You know, I don't know if I'm safe with Nikki. She's asking me a lot of like really, you know, personal questions or it feels like, oh, you know, why are you asking me so many questions? I thought I was going to be interviewing you, you know? So you just want to set that stage for them. And if they say no, if they're like, actually, I'd rather start and ask you some questions take your cues from them and allow them to ask you some questions. And then the thing about sales, and this is what I teach, 
and I talk about all the time is I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that people think sales is something you do to somebody and actually sales is something you do with somebody. And the way you do things with is by having conversation and conversation means back and forth. It's not just me talking the whole time or you talking the whole time. It's back and forth conversation. I love that. It is something that you do with somebody. Absolutely. So I just want to go back a little bit because you talked about vulnerability there and creating safety. And I think that this is really important to think about because so many, especially coaches, they're afraid to do sales calls. They're afraid to get it wrong. And maybe not even thinking that our prospect is afraid and vulnerable as well and potentially feeling unsafe. I want to take a step back to before you even get to the call, how do you even know that someone even wants to get or is interested in potentially getting on a sales call? I understand that this is happening before what we've just talked about, but that vulnerability piece, I think that this could almost you know, muddy the situation a bit like, does that person want to get on a sales call? Am I being pushy? Like, How do we even sort of frame that and know what the cues are for them to get on the call in the first place? Well, okay. So I teach a five-step process to the sales conversation. And the idea is I teach, it's called the selling staircase. I wrote a book about it. I talk about it all the time on my podcast. And the discovery call really is step three in the process. Step two in the process is creating curiosity. And this, by the way, is the most misstep in the sales conversation, or just even in selling in general, is that we forget we have to create a little curiosity And the only way that you can really move or guide a prospect from one step to the other is by issuing invitations. So one of the ways that you would know if somebody wants to get on a call with you, you'll only know that is if you ask the question, if you issue the invitation. So let's say you've created some curiosity and somebody is like, hmm, Sam, you might have something that I could use. Or maybe they ask a question about your services, for instance. They might go, you know, how does somebody work with you? That's a buying signal. I teach about buying signals too. They happen usually when you've created curiosity. So that's a great opportunity for you to give an answer because they asked you a direct question. So give a direct answer and then follow it up with an invitation. So you might say, these are the ways that I work with clients. Is that something you might like to talk more about? If so, let's schedule a time to chat. And then you give them a couple times, potential times where you can get on a call. And then if they say yes to that, they've already indicated right there, there's a level of interest. They're willing to get on a call with you. And these are golden moments because this is precious time with somebody where you're getting an opportunity to build rapport and find out what's their problem, what's their need, what's their want, and do you have a solution and are they an ideal client? And then if so, we can move them into step four and step five in the process. So step two is... Creating curiosity. Creating curiosity. Step three is... Discovery. Okay, which we've just talked about. Yeah. What is step four? Step four is where you lay out the proposal. And when I say proposal, I don't necessarily... Well, it could be a very formal type proposal, but it's also... The reason I teach it as its own step is... When you're in the discovery process, the idea is not to sell during that. So asking questions, you're getting to know them, you're finding out what's going on, what's the want, what's the need. And then once you've determined they've answered the questions that you need and you go, oh, I've got something I can help this person with, 
we're going to issue an invitation to go to step four. And we're going to do that by saying, you know, Sam, based on what we've talked about, I do see a way that we could work together. Would you be interested in hearing more about that? That's me issuing an invitation. And now if you say yes, then I'm going to say, great, here's what I would recommend. I would recommend that we work together in a private coaching session. And then I'm going to talk about the solution. That's step four, that's proposal. And then step four goes really closely with step five. So once I lay out, like, here's what I would recommend of ways that we could work together, then I'm going to issue step five, which is the close. And I'm going to say, is that something you'd be interested in doing together? I'm going to ask you a very direct yes or no question, which is essentially, you're not going to actually say these words, but this is really the crux of the matter is, do you want to buy from me or not? But in a really kind, nice way that allows them to go, yes, or no, or I have a question, or, you know, we've got to get to that place where we issue closed language, because if we don't get there, oftentimes we never have the opportunity to earn somebody's business. So let's go back to the proposal, because I think that this is interesting because I feel like a lot of people in this proposal part, or maybe even a little bit earlier in the conversation, try and run a coaching session rather than a discovery call or a sales call? Is this something that you see a lot of people making this mistake? Yes, I do. And I think it's one, because they've seen other people do it. I think two, one of the reasons that people can do it sometimes is because we're trying to, we might be trying to validate. And essentially it's like, let me demonstrate to you how good I am at what I'm going to do. So I'm going to coach you. But coaching during a discovery call is a huge mistake. And the reason it's a huge mistake is because the person who's showing up in that call with you, they don't know all that you know. And I often describe this as, imagine that this is like this little piece of coaching, this little piece of advice that you're going to give them, this little thing that you're going to demonstrate about your expertise. Imagine like it's one grain of sand because you know behind you is all the resources, all your expertise, everything that you can bring but they don't know that that's just one grain of sand. They don't know behind you is this big, beautiful beach with all these resources of everything Sam can do for you. So you give them this grain of sand and they think that's the beach. So now they either think, well, gosh, my problem seems really simplified. So I probably don't need to hire her. <laughs> so they'll either not hire you. Now they miss out on working and getting you know, access to all these resources that you have, all this expertise that you show up in your work with somebody. And they really don't get a solution to their bigger problem, the bigger issue, because it's not going to usually be solved in one tiny little coaching piece of advice that you give them on a discovery call. So they'll actually walk away feeling unsatisfied with that interaction with you. So be really careful about trying to prove your value or demonstrate your expertise in that discovery call, because it's less about you demonstrating your expertise and more about understanding what's the problem and the need, and then demonstrating through your proposal, through the way you lay out your offer, that I have a solution that's going to solve that. It's going to meet that need. It's going to solve that problem for you. That is gold. So through the proposal, you're showing what it is that you can do by offering a solution that fits. I see so many people coming unstuck, coaching people on calls or, you know, I'm going to do a free coaching session. 
because I've seen it time and time again where then the prospect's like, awesome, thanks for solving my problem, bye. Yeah. And essentially what I tell my clients as well is when you do that, you're actually letting that prospect down because they think that's the end of the, they've got this little, exactly like you said, they've got this little grain of sand. They think it's the whole beach and essentially you've let them down because they can't actually move through their problem. Right. Because you just give this tiny little tip that to them seems really big, but you know, that's like step one of five steps or even 0.5. (laughs) Yeah. But they need those other, they need step two, three, four, five. They need that. And the only way they're going to get it is by you not coaching during your discovery calls. And again, some of this does go back to our own, you know, standing in your place of credibility and authority and not trying to prove to somebody else. Because this is the other thing I often say about sales is it's not your job to convince people that they need to buy from you. As a matter of fact, I think most of us in this day and age don't want to be convinced of anything. We just want to know when I show up in a call, I want to know that I'm hiring an expert. I'm hiring somebody who cares about me and my problem and has a solution for it. I don't need them to give me part of the solution on the call in order for me to hire them. Totally. So you mentioned the languaging in that, you know, would you be interested in working with me? What are some of the other tips during this call, like some of the other language that is going to, and some of the other questions that's going to help people to be able to understand and be able to move essentially from step to step? Because that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're taking people just at stepping them through. What are some of those questions that we can ask to guide people through this call? Well, here's one question I recommend that you ask in almost every discovery call. I won't say every because that feels like overwhelming, but I'm going to say almost every is ask the person what's important to you in regards to, and then you insert the context. So for me, when I'm talking to a prospect, I would say, what's important to you this year in regards to your sales goal? Now, by asking that question, oftentimes I find nine out of 10 people haven't even thought of the answer to that question yet because nobody has ever asked him. They haven't even asked themselves that question. And so when you can ask a really direct question like that in a kind way that gives them time to process and think, what they'll come up with, their answers to that question, oftentimes is they're giving you kind of a roadmap on how to earn their business. Because if they say, you know, well, what's important to me this year in regards to my sales, Nikki, is that I am able to go from X dollars a month to this dollars a month, or I'm able to start booking or closing more discovery calls. For instance, that's the one I get all the time is they're like, I'm closing less than 50% of my discovery calls. And I know that that's too low. So that's one of the things I know I can help people. So I would make sure that when I'm presenting an offer to them of ways to work with us, when we get to step four, I'm going to comment and say, you know, my goal for you is to get you between 50 to 70% close rate on your discovery calls. And there are some ways that we're going to do that. I'm not going to tell them all the how, I'm going to tell them the what that we're going to do so that we will increase their close rate for sure. So I think it's important to ask what's important to you. And then you insert whatever your context is around your business and let them answer. Don't try to answer for them. Be willing to give them time and space to answer that question. Because like I said, it may be the first time anybody has posed the question to them 
And it might be the first time they're actually even thinking of their answer to that question. I'm guessing the answer would, like just thinking about it as you were speaking, would give you so much, not just in understanding their goals, but also in understanding what their values are as a person, what's important to them. And that's just so valuable to know, not in a, I'll be able to talk this person in anything kind of way, but in a really, in a building relationship kind of way and really understanding where they're coming from. Yeah. And making true connection. Because again, sales is something you do with somebody and none of us want to be treated like a big old wallet, right? Like I don't want to show up in a conversation with somebody and have them treat me like, I'm just trying to get into Nikki's wallet because that feels gross. That feels icky. And that's not how people want to be treated. So if you can ask them these questions that allow for them to share deep meaning around, because sometimes I'll tell you, sometimes the answer is shocking to that question. Like what's important to you this year in regard to your sales calls? There's not, oftentimes money is not even mentioned. It's more about like, I want to make sure that I am confident when I'm talking about my services. Okay. Well, that's important, right? Like who doesn't want to feel confident when they're talking about their business? And that's one of the biggest like results that clients get when they work with me is it boosts their confidence in a way that now sends the message to the person they're talking to. I'm hiring an expert when they hire my clients. They're like, I'm getting the best of the best. Look how confident this person is. Now, of course, they have to be able to back it up and they do. So let's talk about objections because I'm really interested to hear your take on this because I hear so many different versions of objections, but we are going to hear them where people are like, oh, you know, when we ask, would you like to, you know, would you like to move forward? Oh, I don't know. And there's something that comes up. What is that sort of signaling to you? Like what are the cues that we need to listen for with these objections? Yeah, let's just start there. Well, as far as cues go, one of the things you have to do is you always have to check out to see, is this the real objection? Because sometimes the first thing that comes up might not actually be the real objection. So the way you check it out is you use a conditional close question. And this is very, this is like sales. So sales like 101. And of course you have to tailor, I'm going to give you the very traditional close question, but say that it's not, I wouldn't repeat it verbatim in the conversation. I would tailor it to what it is that they've said. But a conditional close question is essentially saying, if I was able to demonstrate to you that we would be able to solve whatever the objection is, would you be interested in moving forward? Because I got to check and first see, is that your real objection? So for instance, if somebody says, I'm not really sure that I have time to dedicate to this right now. So I'm going to check about that. I'm going to say, so you're concerned about time. You know, How much time were you thinking you wanted to dedicate to something like this? So I'm going to check first if they're like, oh, you know, less than an hour a week. And then if I could say, so if I was able to show you how in less than an hour a week, we could increase your close rate, if that's what they said they wanted, would you be open to working together? Now, if they say, well, actually... Nikki, (laughs) I think my biggest concern is I don't think I can afford you. Well, now I've gotten to the real objection. But if I did say, you know, if I could show you how we could increase your close rate in less than an hour a week, would you be interested in working together? And they go, yeah. Well, now I know that's the real objection. So then now I'm going to talk about ways we can work together that will minimize time for them. 
But if the objection, if the real objection is price, I got to check that out too. And if it is price, where do you go from there? I've heard so many different takes on this and I'd love your perspective. Okay. Well, I'm going to say right off the bat that if somebody is saying flat out, like, look, I'd love to work with you, Nikki, but I absolutely cannot afford it. Again, my job is not to convince them. And if somebody truly cannot afford to work with me, if or maybe they're just deciding like, it's not something I would invest in. I don't value it enough to spend my hard-earned dollars on it. Then I'm going to say I bless and release clients. I don't or prospects. I don't try to change their mind about it, right? But if the issue is price, so then I would check in with them and I would say, so when you say that the concern is money, is it the total dollar amount? Like if I was able to offer you a payment plan, would that be something you're interested in? And if they're like, even with a payment plan, I couldn't afford it. Then I might say, now, if I was able to, you know, we could talk about other things that I offer that are maybe less expensive. Is that something you're interested in talking about? And if they go, no, then I would say, well, then in that point, I just so appreciate getting to know you and having this time with you. And please know that you're welcome to come back to me at any point when you're ready to move forward. I'd be happy to hear from you. And then I'm going to end that call in a nice way, but as quick as possible, because they're just not my client right now, but they might come back later and I'd be happy to earn their business when they come back. But if somebody's like, look, I would never invest in a sales coach. Like that's hilarious to me. Those aren't my clients and I'm okay with that. I love that. And I had a feeling in my gut that you were going to take that route. And what I really love about that is it's authentic and it's caring because, you know, I have heard people, actually, I saw a post on a Facebook somewhere just in the last couple of weeks that said, hey, I found this company that offers finance for your business programs and they don't check the credit rating. And there was all these people like, I need to know, I need to know that company, I need to know that company. And the first thought of mine was, if people have got a bad credit rating and they can't afford to work with you, why would you want to add to their debt? Like that to me was just like, oh, icky. It feels icky. Yeah, it feels bad, doesn't it? I just, I think that the time for that is done. I don't think there ever should have been a time for it. But, you know, the days of if you really wanted to, you know, get this result, you would go and get a new credit card and you know, mortgage your house and all these things. It's just, it's not, it's not cool. I'm not a huge fan of that. I remember years ago when I first started my business, there was a prospect. And when I say I first started my business, like it was feast or famine. Like I was very early in my business of like, I went from making really good money in the industry that I was in to starting this business and being like, I think I could go get a job at McDonald's and make more money. You know, it was like, So every client counted. And this particular person said to me, I know I need help with sales. I know that you can help me. And I need to decide, am I going to pay my rent this month or am I going to hire you? And I said, you're going to pay your rent this month. Like, I don't want to work with somebody who's homeless because they're like, if you're hanging your last dollar off of like, it's Nikki or bust, that is a concern for me because ultimately my clients that have the most success are great implementers. So it's not about me. It's about, I always say, implementers get success. And my clients who come in, work with me and implement, they get big, big results. 
but they're the ones doing the work. They've got to implement in order. And if you're in that place of desperation, I can't pay my rent. That's a really tough place to be. Totally, totally agree. I want to shift lanes a little because there's a lot of talk right now about sell by chat or selling via DMs, which I think that there's a lot of confusion around this where people think, oh, that just means I can say, hey, Nikki, we've never met before, but I've got this product. Would you be interested? And sell by chat is totally not about that at all. (laughs) What can we take around discovery calls and use within selling via DM or selling by messenger, WhatsApp, you know, any of these sort of messaging services? Well, first and foremost is there is a difference between talking at somebody and talking with. So I mentioned earlier, sales is something you do with. And one of the big mistakes in in DM and specifically in the way people are sending these messages is they're talking at people all the time. Like, hey, I do this and here's all these great things about my company. And here's how you you need help and you need this because I checked out your account and you need followers and blah, 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 blah. That's talking at me. And frankly, talking at me makes me kind of gag at this point because it's just so overdone. If you really want to talk with somebody, start asking questions. So don't show up and say to somebody, here's how I'm so great. Here's all the great things that I do. Send them a message and ask them a question like, hey, Nikki, you know, what's important to you this year in regards to growing your Instagram account, for instance? Like, now if I'm going to take the time and answer that question, now we're in a real conversation. We've got some back and forth. Don't just word vomit your sales pitch all over me without having permission. And this is, again, why I teach the five steps to the selling process. And the biggest thing that I say over and over again is you don't get to skip steps as the seller. You don't get to show up in somebody's face or on their DM account and sell to them without their permission. So if you don't have my permission to even put your offer in front of me, I'm going to delete it. It's kind of like, I don't know, do they have this in Australia where people stand outside the grocery store and like, you know, you're going in to get some milk and they like jump in front of you and they're like, Hey, will you buy my thing or sign my petition? Or, okay. So I always think about that and how, like, does that even work? Because we're kind of like, I don't, I was just here to pick up some milk on the way home, you know, or I'm getting something for dinner or whatever. So when somebody jumps out and is like, let me tell you this thing. You're always like, what? What's going on? And that's the same kind of thing. Yeah. I normally do a really big detour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because we're like, I don't have time for that. I don't want to hear your spiel. If you don't have permission, stop putting offers in front of people. And if you really want to build rapport with people, give them something of value, build your email list and then sell to them. Because now you've got their permission. They've said, I'm interested in something that you do in some way. Now put an offer in front of them or invite them to have a chat, but start by asking questions and see what happens. Sometimes just by asking like really kind of everyday questions, not like, hi, how are you? But actually I like, how are you? But I would still follow it up with something like, you know, hi, how are you? I noticed that you have a podcast and I'm just wondering who's your ideal audience? ask a question and see if the person answers. Then you get into a conversation. Then we move to the next step. But if there's no like response, stop, you know, again, call it word vomiting, stop word vomiting all over people. Like we're sick of it. 
Totally. The big piece that I heard there, and I want to repeat it back, is permission. Because this is the permission is the piece between being shut down and being, you know, opening a conversation and opening, I guess, getting into the beginning stages of starting a relationship with someone, not a, you know, an intimate relationship, but a friendship where, or a, you know, a relationship where we can actually chat with someone. Yeah. Have a connection and yeah, start with some questions. If you're not asking questions, chances are you're talking at people and they're sick of it. Totally, totally, totally. Now, we didn't actually go through all five steps of the selling staircase. We actually missed step one, but I know that you've got an ebook that you have that goes through how to close a sale and to go through your selling staircase. Can you tell us a little bit about that ebook, what we're going to learn in that, and where we can get a copy of that? So, the ebook is all about boosting your confidence in the sales conversation. It really does start at step three. So, I'll just throw it out there for somebody who's like, I really want to know what step one is. And step one is the introduction. So, introduction, curiosity, discovery, proposal, and close. Those are the five steps. So, closing the sale ebook kind of walks you through some of the things that we talked about, gives you some specific language and some ways to guide that conversation. So you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com and maven is M-A-V-E-N.com and then forward slash lab, L-A-B. This is for your listeners. So yoursalesmaven.com forward slash L-A-B. And then that will be my gift. And then we'll be connected. And I'd love to hear what your takeaway from this episode was. Love it. And of course, as always, we'll put the links for that in the show notes so that you can just click over at samanthavali.global forward slash podcast, click on to this episode with Nikki and just grab that ebook. Nikki, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. I really love your feeling and your vibe around sales. It, it totally aligns. I love, I think that having a sales conversation with someone is not icky. And I think that some people think that it is, and it's, I believe it's just because the way that we've seen it being done. But when you get into a really good sales conversation, it's actually serving our audience, helping, it's adding value. So I've really appreciated this conversation with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been great to share another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast with you. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes, the links from today's sponsors, and to download your detailed episode companion for the extensive notes and value bombs we shared today. And if you're looking to connect with other experts and changemakers just like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at samanthariley.global forward slash podcast.